See Sweet and Sour, powered by Align, the podcast where we talk about the sweet and not-so-sweet sides of leadership. Hello, and welcome back to See Sweet and Sour, episode number blah, three for those who don't understand French. I'm sorry. Uh, we are with uh, Joe Martin here. I'll go over his bio super quickly. Joe Martin is currently a VP, is currently the VP of marketing at Scorpion, a leading provider of technology and marketing to help small businesses grow. Formerly, he was the he was a cloud apps GM and CMO, and also the head of marketing at Adobe. I will definitely ask you about that. Uh, with over 15 years of experience in the industry and tech that makes it run. He provides strategic guidance on how to build and use the right stack and marketing for businesses to grow. Joe believes marketers need smart training. I will also ask you about that right off the bat and leadership to scale company growth. You can connect with Joe on LinkedIn and follow him on Twitter at Joe DeMarti, J-O-E, capital D, M-A-R-T-I. Joe, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thrilled to be here. I always wonder who would join a podcast that literally just started and hasn't aired. Well, it has. Well, by the time we're doing this, one episode has aired, <laughs> but I very much appreciate the trust and the uh, potential forward thinking. Yeah, this this could be big and, you know, we're it's going to be. We're definitely Absolutely. we're definitely sending out to a lot of people. So, yeah, Joe, I want to ask right off the bat, want to ask you, how did you get to Adobe and what was your experience there like being the head of marketing there? Yeah, sure. So I started Adobe a couple years out of business school, uh, just got, got an MBA and then worked for kind of a small startup and then got recruited over to Adobe. Started there as a senior analyst and kind of just worked my way up to being ahead, ahead of a couple of, of the marketing teams. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge company. About when I left, there were about 20,000 employees. Um, wow. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of different marketing departments kind of funneling up to the CMO. But yeah, I got the chance to kind of lead a pretty cool uh, group where we were analyzing all the great like Adobe data. Adobe captures eight out of every $10 spent online. So people are using Adobe Analytics on their websites. And we would analyze that and kind of come up with cool reports about how much people were spending on Black Friday. I used an Adobe tool to track like social buzz and and use that social buzz to predict like movie profitability. So if a movie was going to be profitable or not before it came out. Very cool. I wonder what, what the stats for Deadpool were. Probably off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty fun. So I, with that one, I, I predicted 34 of 35 and The Rock broke my model with San Andreas. So that tells you how long ago it was. But Oh, wow. Okay. It was pretty, ended up being a pretty cool story because he engaged his, you know, I don't know, 20 million, whatever, 100 million social followers and really kind of brought that one into profitability a week before it came out. Yeah. So had a good run at Adobe, was there about seven years, then went on to be CMO at CloudApp, another startup, was there around three years and then came over and joined some Adobe colleagues here at Scorpion. So very cool. Very cool. Been a, been a fun ride. In, okay. I'm sorry I'm going back to Adobe just because probably most people know Adobe Sure. Out of all yep. the companies that you worked at, uh, by the way, for those who don't know what Cloud App is, and you're not there anymore, so I can talk about competitors. So they're basically a Loom competitor. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Back to Adobe. How many people are on your team? So at the peak, um, I was managing around 10, 15 people. Okay. And that was fairly large org. Adobe was fairly flat. So until you got to the VP CMO level, you didn't really have 
large orgs. Okay. Um, and what, what types of personalities would you say? Because you said analysis, right? Yeah. Like, so, so I was also like, so I managed that many people directly, but I also, we had kind of a matrix organization. So I also had kind of like design people I was managing on mm -hmm. projects. I also had like partnership people because we would do, we would do work around the NFL or social media. We'd mentioned Facebook. And so we'd have to like, you know, reach out to our reps and make sure they were aware that we were talking about them. And I worked with, you know, PR people that would kind of pitch the stuff. And then I did a lot of press briefings with uh, New York Times and Associated Press and other places. So I got some quotes in, in those outlets. And then demand gen people. So like these reports were pretty big for our, our lead flow. And so we'd put together campaigns with demand. So it's kind of like, it was this really unique, like campaign manager, like we were analyzing the data, but we we're also helping push it out in various okay. channels. And so, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I also managed, you know, some people in APAC and EMEA. So I got to experience kind of cultural, cultural differences. Cultural differences, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially, especially in uh, EMEA where they take, you know, July and August off every year. Um, so it's always really hard to get stuff done in the summer. It's interesting you know, you're talking about Israel. I'm not sure if it's really necessarily part of that, depending on which company you're at and, and yeah, how you totally. look at it. It's kind of one or the other. It's either Europe or, you know, based on how they don't really take any time off. Israel does not take time off. Yeah. But, but yep. you know, if we talk they're about hardcore. the rest of, yeah, they're hardcore. But if you talk about the rest of uh, the rest, yeah, they just, they, it's two, two months and you're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> Have a good one. I hope, hope everything works out. While we're gone. I, I respect it. I respect yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> and, and on that point, yeah. On that point, how did you manage all that? Like, how were you able to wrap your hand or head around all that? Yeah, it was, it was hard. I think organization was a big piece. So at the start of every year, my boss and then other people on my team, we'd put together just an editorial calendar mm -hmm. of like, we, we'd do some research of like, hey, what are, what are some big events that are happening this year that we could like have a point of view? because mm -hmm. a big strategy of this specific project was was to jump in on natural press stuff. So it wasn't trying to create our own buzz. It was like, what are some natural buzzy events that happen, you know, like the Super Bowl or the Oscars or Black Friday or uh, the Olympics or World Cup? You know, those are things that pe press are like putting out articles every day, right? Like they need a new angle, Couple and of so, times a day, a couple of yeah, times a exactly. day, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So much press putting out so much new new storylines, and so that was our strategy of like, hey, we've got a big name, we've got great data. How can we like jump in on these just natural buzzy events? Mm -hmm. And so we'd look at wherever we could find in our research what was happening. Uh, anywhere from we we've had a point of view on Eurovision one year, which was super fun. And every time I watch that, I've watched that Netflix movie with Will Ferrell. A couple Shout of times. out to Will Ferrell for, <laughs> for bringing the Euro to Eurovision to the, to the States. Yeah. I had no idea that was even a thing. And I got to like cover it, you know, for the entire competition one year. And it was super fun to kind of like find these new niche, you know, things that are huge in other areas, just the United States were not really a thing. But yeah, it was a lot of research, a lot of content calendars, and we had really strong like work back schedules. I mean, the Super Bowl is it's a hard deadline, right? You can't be like, oh, let's 
extend our deadline. Like it, it's happening, you know, the day it's happening. Yeah. So we'd have to like be like, okay, data has got to be completed by this day. We got to get CMO approval. We got to get it to design. And it had a really like rigid work back schedule to make it happen. We will be back after this short message. 90% of businesses fail. 10% don't. Here's why. Plans fail when you don't have the right systems and software in place. This is why we built Align, a strategic growth management software that allows you to share real-time updates and eliminate miscommunication. Align is an easy-to-use, cloud-based software with features like daily huddles, KPI dashboards, software integrations, and so much more. You can see your company's priorities, critical numbers, goals and tasks while holding everyone accountable. And all this in the palm of your hand with our mobile app. So what are your next steps? It's simple. Learn more about Align by requesting a demo at aligntoday.com. Let us make sure we land you in that 10%. Align, achieve big goals faster. You know, because of that, did you have any kind of, I could see burnout happening because you don't feel you're making it on time. I, I, I can see just pressure, right? Because, you know, you always feel like you have that little bit of time until you don't. And then it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what yeah. do I do? What do I do? Is there any anything specific you can think of that that helped you guys hit your targets? No, literally, no matter what? For a lot of it, when I was in that role, thankfully, I did not have kids yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also as like, I was super young in my career, like as I just starting out. And so you're grinding, eh? I didn't, yeah, I didn't really know any different. And I saw it as an opportunity, right? Like it was, it was a huge sandbox. It had tons of visibility, like all the C-level people at Adobe wanted to be the spokesperson for this data. Mm -hmm. You know, we got our CEO on Jim Cramer talking about the data that we put together. No. So like I kind of tried to embrace the moment. I did start to kind of like taper in like my fifth, kind of my fourth, fourth or fifth. I think I did it for five years, that specific team. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, we got a new VP over that org. And I was like, hey, I'm out. Like, I don't want to do this role anymore. Like, how about I do X, Y, or Z and kind of presented new opportunities for her. And we worked together and figured it out. Okay. We also like, it was almost like a product and we, we got good support. I mean, that was the nice part about it being Adobe is like, if you like incubate this great idea and it mm -hmm. shows success, like we got the support, like we, we got new headcount, we got new people, we got more money to like use external contractors for design or whatever, if we needed to speed things up. So we definitely got the support that we needed to kind of make it happen. But yeah, like... I, I would be lying if I didn't say like there were a lot of times that I found data errors like two days before we're supposed to brief press, you know, yeah. or or there were a couple of times that we put out data that we found was maybe slightly different because of some formulas and it's already gone to press. So we're kind of just like, well, we'll just we'll create a new methodology next time you know, that makes, make sure it's like super accurate. How did leadership deal with that? Is it something that, that floated up to the top and it was, it was noticed or was that only internally kind of like, okay, let's keep it quiet for a second. <laughs> it was mostly and, internal. Uh, and it was never like huge difference. Like we're talking like 16% share instead of 14% share, okay. you know, like it All wasn't right. like it was within margin of error. Okay. So like, I don't think I was never super nervous that we'd get called out on it, but there were times like those top tier outlets 
they dig really deep on data. Like the New York Times, when I briefed them about the World Cup, like we talked for probably an hour and he was asking me all kinds of questions about how I, how, what was my process? Like, what was my methodology? What data did I use? Like, what did I use external sources? And then they like asked for like a spreadsheet of the data that they could review. Like it was those, you kind of, you kind of appreciate maybe it was just that reporter, but. I prefer them being like that than, than the other way around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was always a little bit of stress when it would first come out and like yeah. your name is next to it. You're next to this like very recognizable brand. Mm-hmm. And there was always like, quite a bit of stress that I'd feel, especially with the the movie profitability one was really stressful for me because when, especially when San Andreas looked like I was going to be wrong, I kind of had to spend like the whole weekend, like working with our PR team to, to like come up with an angle of why my model was wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, right. you're like really exposed when you're like an analyst and you created this like data point and people can kind of like poke at it. Very cool. Uh, like, as I mentioned, I want to touch on what, you know, you said smart training. What do you mean by that? What What's smart training for you? So for me, everyone's going to be different. But for me, what really worked out, and honestly, I don't, I haven't done enough of this since I've gotten in more leadership positions. But at Adobe, especially since it was such a big company, I was extremely curious. And I took like leaders to lunch as often as I could. I'd sit next to different people every day at lunch. We, you know, we had this giant cafe. I would just try and meet different people. Yeah. And I would, you know, buy leaders lunch of that were leading products or leading customer success teams or mm. so I was just really curious. I'd ask a lot of questions and just kind of learn about their role and learn about, you know, things they did to help their teams and then Obviously, the longer I'd get there or the longer I was there, I kind of learned the leaders I wanted to learn from. Um, and I just created really strong relationships with them and would just kind of observe them in meetings. And, you know, why why do people like them and kind of form that into how I try and manage. So a lot of it's just been questions and emulating. Very, very cool. And what were those characteristics of a leader that you believed? that not you believe, but that you feel were that you want to emulate. What were those things? Um, yeah, it's interesting. You would ask, I think, and you kind of have to like, this is, this is unique too, in that you kind of have to figure out what fits in with who you are as a person. Agreed. Cause you can't just be like, Oh, I want to be like them. And you're not naturally like that person. So I'm naturally like pretty positive and optimistic. Those are kind of the same thing, but And like strategic, but also like I let, I try and I like, I'm very trusting. So like I, I trust that people are going to do their best work and I'm Mm -hmm. just trying to help, help remove obstacles. I'm actually working on a second book right now. We'll talk about my first one later, but yeah, yeah, don't worry. We're going to get to that. But it's, it's called manage sideways. So we're always kind of taught to like manage up or manage down in business school and whatever. Like those are kind of the you manage down to your people on your team and then you manage up to your leadership group. So I created this kind of like manage sideways concept of like, it kind of stems from, I had a leader one time say, don't get too close to people that you manage. And the more I've managed, the more I kind of disagree with that. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it sure like it's it's super painful if you have to like have a difficult conversation with someone that you True. haven't kept arm's length a little bit but mm-hmm. you also kind of miss out on some really great opportunities to learn from people and and have almost like a peer type relationship to a point with with people that you're managing so i think there's that's kind of the way i try and do things is is manage manage sideways where i treat people on my team a little bit like peers where i really just like like i will start an idea and then i will pass it to them and i would just let them bring it to fruition and they'll fail they'll succeed at things but i'm like more of a partner and a developer than like yeah just straight delegation of everything right i see that as a I, i've been due to this position in where i work right now to align uh, a lot of what we're doing right now is about leadership and uh, looking at people and how they talk about leadership, h- how they express what a good leader and a bad leader is. We're seeing the same types of trends being more successful. Like the data's out, the data's in, you know, being more empathetic, being being more of a facilitator rather than telling a person what to do and say, do it or else is something that doesn't, doesn't really work anymore. Uh, because of the new generation, because people are realizing that this isn't to listeners. They know I'm I, I'm a military person. I was in the in the military for three and a half years. Oh, cool! In Thanks that for your service. Yeah, well, <laughs> in Israel, I'll, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> it's different there. There's no time to to think about it. Like you can't argue when you're in the battlefield, right? When there's a mission up there, you can argue beforehand though, which is really cool. What what I, what I really like about the Israeli army is that there's this family. Or there's it's like it's like a family when you get in there, and uh, they expect you to speak out, obviously respectfully, but they expect you to speak out when you see fit. And I'm seeing that kind of roll over into into business today. That understand that there is a hierarchy, although that doesn't mean you can't say what's on your mind. You, you don't have to shut up because you are this junior and you don't know any better. And I'm doing quotation marks for those who can't see because, you know, you might. And that's one of the things that I I, I try to tell my team. And uh, I know Julia and Haley are listening right now as producers, but, and they, they, they know this. I, I never want them to not ask me a question. I never want them to not give their idea. Now, I might disagree or I might say, you know what, even if I do disagree, I might say, okay, let's test it out and see how it works. And I think that's incredibly important. And that's kind of touching onto what you're saying. It's it's different today and not in a bad way at all. In exact opposite, because we're we're giving a stage for people who might not have as much experience, but may have some creative ideas to speak up. Unlike, let's say, 30, 40 years ago, 50, 40 years ago, where it wasn't totally. really like that. Yeah, it's like, there's a couple of things to riff off of that. For So like... Uh, you're making deposits in the bank as a leader. So like if you're enabling people, then like when you do have those fires that you really need help with, like you can't do yourself. We're launching this new website at Scorpion in, in a couple of weeks. And so websites are a ton of work, right? Enjoy. And, <laughs> I know we did it last year too, but this yeah. one's even better. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, you know, it's a, t- it's a ton of copy work. It's a ton of strategic work. And so like, stuff just randomly comes up that you weren't necessarily expecting. So mm-hmm. like my team is, is I know I can ask any of them and they'll get it done like that day. But that's because 25 to 50% of my job as their leader is developing them yeah. and investing in them and being like, Hey, are you happy doing this? Is there something else that you want to try out this quarter? 
You know, do you want to try out this new type of marketing or what are you interested in? And just kind of like always having that open conversation. I kind of stole that from Adobe a little bit. Adobe had this great kind of pioneered this great thing called Adobe check-in, which they actually like put all the resources out publicly as well for other companies to, to use. Mm-hmm. But it's just a quarterly kind of development conversation with your leader versus these like scary annual performance reviews. It was like really open quarterly conversation. And then weekly one-on-ones were kind of a non-negotiable. And so I've kind of carried that on as well. Like those are the most important meetings on my calendar is when I'm talking with my team each week. And I, you know, defend those with, with all that I have. So, so it's, it's, yeah, it's like you got to put in the time and make those deposits in the bank. And hopefully, you know, that keeps your team happy. It keeps them, it keeps them wanting to work with you and it keeps them from looking at other companies. And, and yeah, I mean, also like if I, I mean, I've left companies before, obviously, and I'm eventually, you know, I'm not going to be here for 50 more years. So like, I have this great army of people that I've worked with that I can like call upon and be like, Hey, come join me at this new company just creates a great network. It's interesting that you say that. A little plug for a line here, but uh, we that, that, is, that is what we do. Our, our, our technology, our, our, our SaaS software is is basically doing that, is, is making sure that you have those, what we call huddles, right? Every single day, it's kind of like your equivalent of stand-up and having, having that information in there. And, and it's like you said, it's non-negotiable. You know, every single day, you have to have at least a 10, 15-minute stand-up with your team. Uh, within the company, there is a what we call big huddle where everybody in the, in the company gives 10 to 15 second 10 to 30 second update on what they're doing and and having that transparency i believe is what really really helps companies grow and scale is that when you have that full transparency it's incredibly easy to understand uh where you are and have you know kind of putting the toe in the water and feeling if it's warm or hot or, or cold. And if it is any of those things that you don't want it to be, you can you can work on it pretty quickly with all the with all the team kind of thinking about it. So that's that's great. And it's it's cool seeing many different, well, what they what they call different business methodologies, they all have the same type of of base. And it, it's always one of the first things is communication, a hundred percent, which I which which I really like. I like being incredibly transparent and and yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, you've worked mostly tech companies, correct? Yeah. So Scorpion is kind of like tech and services. Yeah. But yeah, kind of like always been in tech industry, technology. And, and thinking about, you know, the team and everything, their, their mindset, especially after, I, I hate using this word, but post pandemic, I don't like, I don't even know <laughs> what's going on, but how are you dealing? How are they, are they remote? Are they, are they in office? How does that work? And, and how are you dealing with it? Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of both. I mean, I I kind of had experience, you know, managing people like I was in the Utah Adobe office, but I had people on my team that were in San Jose mm-hmm. at headquarters. I had people in San Francisco, I had people in London and Sydney. So like I've kind of managed a global like workforce in the past. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily new. It's just now it's all video versus like conference calls, which is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at Scorpion, we've got some people in office. I'm still here in Utah. And then I've got some people in California. And I think a big part of it is I try and get everyone together one to two times a year, budget, budget permitting, of course. But of course. I think that's a big connector is, is, and I kind of learned that at Adobe too. I, 
sometimes I'd get stonewalled maybe is a good word or not prioritized by like new people that I, that didn't know who I was. Like I'm making a request to engineering for data and they're like, who's this, who's this guy? You know, like I've got, I got 10 other things to do. I don't want to, I don't want to help you. Yeah. And, And so I, I, I found out that I needed to fly out and meet people in person and kind of like share why, what I needed, why I needed it. And then the last part that nobody does is, is, give the results what their work was. Mm, That's a good one. I like that. So with engineering in this case, like they'd give me data and then I would share the polished report and I would share the results of like the press that we got from it. So like they kind of became a part of the team. So I think there's still so much value in that like in-person connection and really just trying to facilitate that is really helpful. So people in Utah, there's no real requirement, but they're at least at least here for one-on-ones with me and then a lot of people just drop in you know for part of the day and then they'll finish up at home uh, most most of us are close by so it's not you know 15 20 minutes it's not a huge you know commute back and forth yeah so that's kind of what I've what I've tried to do yeah, I've I, I noticed that as, as, as a trend now, now that everything's opened up again, again, like I said, post-pandemic, whatever. But it's really, really nice to see. And especially, again, a line as well is doing something similar. Every quarter, we have quarterly planning. And every quarter, we bring everybody in, regardless of where they're at. Like, if they want to, if they feel comfortable to. We, we bring them in, and we have these conversations. And there's something about we're still human, and biologically, we're kind of, I feel like we're connected. We're connected when we're close. Yep. Right. Regardless of the fact that, you know, I, there can be some uh, some rapport, you know, I'm talking with you right now and it kind of looks like you're, you're we're in the same room, even though we're not, yeah. especially because people that are watching this, it kind of looks like we're, we're together ish. There's something about being in, in, in close proximity to somebody where they're literally a, a hand's length away that gives that extra human aspect, right? At the end of the day, I'm not just, if you think about it, just came up to me now, a celebrity, right? You see them on TV all the time. You, you do feel connected to them, but when you see them in person, it's a completely different different experience. I had something like that with, do you remember Mr. T? Oh yeah, yes. Clever Lang. Yes, yes, Mr. <laughs> T. I, I met him once. It was really, really short. It was in the elevator. He, it was really weird. I was downtown in Toronto. Just the doors opened and he was there. Just, I went in like, my dad and me were like, Holy crap. We just That's watched awesome. like, <laughs> we just watched reruns uh, last night. A-team, man. Yeah. A team, definitely awesome. a team. It was weird because on one hand he was super nice. Right. But it wasn't what you're, you're expecting. Cause you have this persona in your mind of who yeah. this Mr. T is. Right. Totally. So that's, that's, that's why you need that, that human connection to really feel what that person is. So that's kind of how I'm looking. I, I'm seeing these, these kinds of conversations and that's why it's incredibly important to have those, those meetings. Oh, great. Um, you're in scale up mode at Scorpion. Yeah, we are. We raised a hundred million two years ago. Prior to that, we were just a twenty-year-old, like bootstrapped company. You know, wow. Uh, Rustin Kretz is—he's the founder and CEO, and he's just grinded it out and kind of started out building websites for small businesses and kind of scaled it to where it's at right now, which is pretty cool. But yeah, we've we've scaled up marketing, sales, and that was kind of why I was brought in and a couple of other folks who've kind of have a pedigree for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's been, yeah, it's been fun. And what, what are things that are expected from you now that you're, you know, startup is, is you came in after the, 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 the raise. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like okay. we're definitely a startup culture, but we have about 
a thousand employees, I think. So like, we're, we're like, yeah, it's, it's unique. It's definitely unique experience, but scaling up a lot of marketing and sales. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get the word, the, the phrase, a scale up to be more, at some point, you're not a startup anymore. Yeah. Right. And you right. need to realize that. Like a lot of people use that as a buzzword. Yeah, we're a startup company, but uh, we're, <laughs> you know, we're doing like 200 million revenue and uh, uh, we just raised uh, 150 million, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I, I'm trying to normalize scale up as like the, the next stage. A startup is probably like the way I see it. It's one zero to one and then scale up is one to 100. Yeah, right? totally. Is it the same amount of pressure, do you believe, after having such a, an incredible raise than it would be if it would be bootstrapped? How, how do you feel about that? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's the pressure is kind of always there. You know, perpetual growth is always expected. Yeah. Which is just not possible, right? I mean, perpetual growth at certain percentages. I mean, we're lots of companies will grow every year, but, you know, 20% is obviously better than 2%. Yes. Even though 2% could be like a huge milestone or a huge win. So I feel like there's always pressure. I definitely, you know, we're obviously a private company still. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a little bit less pressure when you're private and like your data and information is all internal versus like if you have a bad quarter and you're a public company, you miss your targets, like you just get crushed, right? Yeah. And so that just like provides a giant like microscope onto everything your team's doing. So there's a little bit more like building building in stealth in private where you don't have to necessarily share everything externally. You just have your board and then you have your your internal company. We just had a board meeting uh, the, 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 the other day. And my question is, are you involved in those board meetings? Uh, not at Scorpion. I was at CloudApp and it was definitely unique, especially being in marketing. Like we'd spend like two hours on marketing and then we'd spend like 10 minutes on product, right? Because everyone has an opinion on marketing and sales. Uh, yes, they do. Which, you know, not, isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. But how do you afterwards talk to your team about it? It's an interesting, you have to be in their shoes when you're with the board, but then you have to be in the board's shoes when you're with them. Yep. How, how, how do those conversations go? How do you explain to them, listen, let's just say we haven't reached the goals or we're expected to do more. What's your conversation with them? How do you deal with that? Um, I usually try and like have some initial thoughts of like, you know, hey, we're pacing, we're pacing behind on targets. Um, it's usually behind, right? Like if you're pacing ahead, then just keep doing what you're doing. So I'll say, well, you know, here's some thoughts I have on how we could try and catch up. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just like open it up and let people let other people chime in. So I think it's just having an open dialogue at, at Scorpion. We, we also have like a weekly revenue call. So it's like all the channels will kind of give their updates on how, how they're pacing toward targets. Mm-hmm. So I think that's helpful to just have like that rigor of conversation so that we're all kind of working toward that same, that same goal. And then also we need to know what the goal is. Right. So we use OKRs at, at Scorpion like a lot of other tech companies. And so my team's OKRs kind of align with CMO's OKRs. And then, you know, people on my team align to my OKRs. So it's like there's this this waterfall of we're all kind of working toward the the overall marketing org's goals. And, you know, that just makes things move in the same direction. Yeah, what, what, one vision, one goal. 
it's it's something that when you focus on one thing and you kind of remove the the shiny object syndrome, it makes it makes it a lot easier to scale and especially in marketing and well overall just growing a business and scaling and growth. Amazing. Talk to me about some mishaps and how you you learned from them. That's something that we got you know see sweet and sour. So the sour <laughs> side of things, God knows I've screwed up in the past. It's made me a better person though. I would love to hear about any of those things. Yeah. I mean, it's all right. Just between me and you, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um, sometimes on a daily basis. There's this personality personality test called the DISC method. I don't remember okay. what DISC stands for, but it was one we did at, at Adobe. And it kind of shows you like where you are naturally and then where you go when you're in conflict. I'm kind of like, I mean, it may have changed now that I'm in an even larger leadership role, but like, yep. I'm usually like pretty chill, at least externally. And then I'm still chill, but I move a little bit more toward data, like in conflict. Mm -hmm. So I want to like look for some supporting information to, or supporting solution with some sort of data. So I think it's, that's kind of the first step is like understanding who you are. You don't necessarily need a personality test. You can just like write it down, you know, like, Hey, yes. this was, how, how did I feel in this moment? And just kind of like document it. And then how kind of like have your own postmortem, like how should I have done this better? So, interesting. so like, I hate being surprised. So like I always try and, and I'm not like a procrastinator. So I like to have like a really solid plan and then I like to get lots of little bits of feedback along the way mm -hmm. versus like having a six page email being sent at two in the morning by a, a C-level person about, you know, some project you're working on like that Uber stresses me out. Yeah. So I'd rather just have like be on the same page along the way and have check ins to avoid those types of things, because I know that that like kills me. So that, how can I avoid that as much as possible? It still may happen, but how can I avoid that? Very, very cool. Uh, metaphorically, obviously, because you're still here. <laughs> Let's talk about, you said, so you're having a new book coming out, but you have, a, you have an old one. What, what's, what's the old one? Just kind of a plug right there. Yeah, so it, it hasn't been released yet. Um, working with an agent, some publishers to kind of try and get it out this year. Publishing's really weird right now. Like all the major publishers are like on strike or have been for like why not self publish? For like I like the traditional route. All I right. don't necessarily want to self publish. Yeah, so it'll come out probably later this year. And it's about finding balance. So it's it's called Work Life, a Silicon Valley veterans guide to okay. finding balance. I already like the title. And it kind of honestly like it in the in the intro, it kind of like acknowledges that balance isn't really possible per se, the way we think of it. You know, okay. everyone, everyone talks about work-life balance and how they're, they want it, whatever. It's more just acknowledging like you need to invest in things outside of work. And then I break it down into like mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical. And then I also have segments on like balance as an executive and as a parent. And it's honestly like a lot of it was for myself. I I've definitely do not practice all of these things perfectly, but I did a lot of research. I talked to a lot of executives at other tech companies, like what are you guys doing? And kind of put all those things to work in this, in this book. And it also honestly stems from like preparing for one of those board meetings uh, when I was CMO at CloudApp. And it was like, 
the first down quarter I'd had since I'd been CMO and we'd had, you know, four straight really good ones. Yeah. And there were a bunch of questions I knew that were going to come up that I did not have great answers to. And it like super stressed me out and mm-hmm. kind of like ruins that was kind of like I could feel burnout creeping in just with that stress. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like inspired investing myself a little bit more versus being so overly connected to work. With my teams, I've been doing this for about you know, six, seven years. I explained to them, listen, you aren't the president and you don't have your finger on the nuke. If something, God forbid, happens, nobody's dying. Well, I hope hope not, at least. Yeah. And uh, it kind of puts things in perspective. It helps sometimes, but some people just are very, they they have their anxiety and and you try to deal with it as much as possible. But it's hard, right? Because today you're working from home. So there's no break from your bed to uh, your computer. Yep. There is this kind of unspoken rule where your phone is always on and you're always answering Slack messages, even though I'm for like ignoring me after hours. I, I, if you answer me, great. I, I, I work after hours just because for me, I get ideas and I can't, I can't keep them in. And my, my go-to is Slack or, or email or whatever. So I have them out there. And if they answer it, great. If they don't, there's always tomorrow morning. And I think that 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 really helps. And but again, at the end of the day, a person's a person. If their personality is is, yep. is, is a certain way, uh, I can only try and help as much as possible. I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not uh, you know a psychiatrist, <laughs> so I can't send, I can't give any pills. Let's touch on that again. So you had you had that down down quarter. Yeah, how did you feel? I'll leave it at that. Let's let's. It, here's the thing too is like we had a really great board. I still do. It's the same board. I think really supportive really like great questions, great connections and contacts. Like there was no necessarily reason why, but I'm putting, yeah, I'm putting this deck together about Mm -hmm. the quarter and just trying to like highlight some of the good stuff, obviously touching on the numbers that on a few things we had missed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cause, and I don't know that there's a great way to separate this, but we, we tie too much of our self-worth to like our work. So it's like, you feel a bit like what happened over the quarter, what happens at work is because directly tied to you and who you are as a person, who you are as a leader. And yeah, I, I don't know that there's a great way to separate that. That's just human. And it's just so exposing, especially in like a performance review or like a board meeting Yeah, where you're just like, well, here it is. Like, here's, here's the numbers, you know, it's pretty straightforward. I can like try and come up with reasons why we miss stuff, but it's just pretty like, yeah, exposing of, of you. And yeah, I, I feel like I'd tie, I tied my self-worth to that in some way. Have you ever used scorecards or something similar to that where there's, it's not just metrics, but also soft and soft skill, soft skill ratings as well. Have you ever used that? With an, uh, as an employee, as an as yes. as an employee, or as a as as a leader, yes, and and also like OKRs are not meant to be a hundred percent, right? Like if you hit a hundred percent, you did it wrong. Like <laughs> you didn't have hard enough goals. Yes, so, which is really annoying, by the way. But I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, that's the same type of thing, right? Like you should hit some goals hundred percent, but you're going to miss on a lot of others too. So yeah, like even then like even have that balance. And I I think I felt it less in lesser roles 
specifically in that C level role, like there was nobody else. Like it was me, you know, it was not like, like yeah. you're the ultimate leader. It's not like, well, you know, my, my demand gen peer didn't hit their goal when I'm, you know, I'm a VP or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, but I hit my goal when you're CMO, it's like, you're the leader of all of those. So I, I just felt like way more pressure that yeah. I didn't really love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money being made and how to, fortunately and unfortunately, about trying to deal with stress in, in work. The only thing I don't like about that industry is that there, it always seems like there's a one size fits all. And I don't believe that there is. It's, it's, it's finding what works well for you, which is, which is the real hard part. It's incredibly yeah. hard to, to, to a point where people just don't want to do it. Like they don't even want to figure out what works for them. And they just deal with, they either prefer to deal with the stress, unfortunately, because that in itself becomes stressful. You're trying to, <laughs> yeah. you're trying to figure out what's stressful, you stressed and how to fix it. And that, that stresses you out. Like, okay, I have enough stress already. Stress, stress, stress. All right. That's, that well, word's going to lose meaning in a second. Go ahead. For, for me, it was taking a step back. Like I was like, okay, with especially having little kids at home, like this CMO role is not working out for me right now. Maybe mm -hmm. it will like later on in my career. But I took a step back, per se, in my career. You know, I'm, I'm not a C-level here at Scorpion. And I just wanted to, like when this opportunity came up, which is still a great opportunity, a good path for my career. Yeah. They were like, hey, we just want, we want you to run content. We want you to run demand programs, like stuff that I know very, 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 very well. Mm -hmm. And I can just run that playbook and I enjoy doing it. And I don't have to kind of have that added stress of being that C-level. So, you know, I took a little bit of a step back in my career. And that was kind of what worked for me. And mm -hmm. it's definitely like improved my mental health and kind of like connection to home and things like that. Yeah, that's great. It's great that you figured it out. Uh, I feel like a lot of people that do have a better connection with with family and something that's outside of work. Not necessarily have to be family because you know not everybody has one, but friends, good friends, people that you can you can you can be around that don't make you feel like shit um, yeah. and make you feel better sometimes is is incredibly important. Yeah, and again, some people don't even have that, and, and I can really and and that's where that's where I I think and we touched that we touched on this in the, earlier in those situations where people don't may might not necessarily have family, may not necessarily have a lot of friends if at all. I think work should be the place where as a leader, you bring everybody in and treat them like a family. And yes, it does make it hard when you have difficult conversations, but what do you prefer? Somebody who's, who doesn't have an outlet and doesn't feel like they're at home anywhere or having a tough conversation once in a while. It's a, pr it's a pretty easy kind of understanding what, what, what should be, what should, what should happen. Totally. What would you give a young marketer who is looking to be, you know, somebody like me or you that lo is looking to become a, a, a leader in, 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 in the industry? What is something that you, what, some kind of advice you'd like to give them? Or maybe somebody who's just started their role. I had a great leader at Adobe that kind of helped me along. You're not always going to have that. But a lot of people, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, but a lot of people are like too quiet when they're a junior. They don't think they have ideas or the right, or the right to even speak out, even though they yes, should. Yeah. Which is wrong, totally wrong. Like yeah. the first thing I say to someone I hire that's new is like, break whatever we have. Like, 
you have the gift of a fresh perspective that I need because I've been here two years. Like my fresh perspective is gone. Yeah. I know too much about what's going on. One thing my leader taught me to do is if it's a big meeting with a lot of people or it's like a strategic meeting, first of all, leaders should invite you to those or you should be like asking to go to them and contribute. Write things down, write things down in a notepad or on your phone, whatever of what you want to say and just have that preparation and make sure you say the things you want to say. So that can kind of be a nice way to like juice the start the flow and then you'll you'll find that you don't necessarily need to do that in the future. You'll just like, it'll just happen more naturally. You'll be able to build off of other people's thoughts. And then don't be the person that says too much or like doesn't add anything of value or just repeats other people's ideas. So there's this kind of like a balance. You got to like provide unique perspective and like add, but you might just have to prepare a little bit. But yeah, don't be afraid to speak up and like, be super curious and just learn as much as you can. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Not everybody's an extrovert, right? And, and they're not expected to. When 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 I say speak up, it doesn't necessarily also mean in the middle of a meeting when everybody's talking about something specific uh, and moving on. It is. It means you know if you want to send an email afterwards explaining what you thought could have been done better, or if explaining what you you know your, your your new ideas. That is also considered speaking up. That that's what it means. It doesn't necessarily mean using your voice at that exact moment when it's inappropriate because we're in a formal setting in which certain things need to be done in a certain amount of time. So for example, me, myself, I, I speak up always and sometimes not as much as, as I used to, but I just have to shut up sometimes and just let, it, let, let, let the flow go. I work towards as much as possible, making sure I write down the notes and at the end, if there's time or afterwards, uh, send a little note to whoever I feel. Totally. Yeah, it needs, it, it's great. And, and my, my only other thing I, would, I would want to add to that is if for some reason you're a leader whoever that is, is taking that advice and getting annoyed, then they're the wrong person. They're the wrong person for the job. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, find another one because you're going to be miserable. If that person doesn't say, listen, I, I appreciate what you just said. I will look into it and be positive when it comes to the feedback, even though they might not necessarily feel that it, it is it is the perfect feedback and doesn't leave that door open, that proverbial door open just find another spot, like look for another job because you're going to be miserable and, and nobody wants to be miserable. We have enough stress going, going on in this world. God knows it's getting worse. So <laughs> try not to. Totally. Uh, one more kind of question I want to, I want to throw at you. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? Yes, definitely. <laughs> there um, you go, everybody. Listen, by the way, I, I, I'm going to be asking this question to everybody. And I, if there's one person that says, no, I'm, I'm not airing that podcast. <laughs> I'm not airing that episode. It's human, man. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I cut yeah. You off I mean, there. honestly, like I feel it in both my full-time jobs, like as a parent every day, I feel it and just realize I have no idea what I'm doing with my wife. And then with, <laughs> we just kind of look at each other sometimes we're like, I don't know. Yeah. And then at work for sure. I mean, I, Probably the biggest one was when I left Adobe, I I was in this kind of like WeWork style building just right across from the Adobe building. Oh, boy. Okay. And I, ch I chose an office there that specifically faced the Adobe building so I could like remind myself like you chose this, like you had it pretty cushy golden handcuffs over there and you chose this path, you know, like... I took some huevos, man. Good, good, good <laughs> yeah. on you. Yeah. So I don't know that it ever fully goes away. 
I, I think you get a little more comfortable with it by taking those risks, not necessarily just in work, but like, you know, one of my big goals, I had two big goals that I want to do before I turned 40, which I turned 40 in August this year. Oh, me too. And awesome. What, 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 August what? Uh, 18th. Oh, you're, you're, you're four days older than me. Okay, keep going. <laughs> That's awesome. Love it. So two of my goals were I always wanted to do an Ironman, a 70.3 Ironman, not the okay. full, the half. Okay. And I made it happen. I did it last September and oh, it sweet. scared me to death and I made it, made it work and I trained a ton and had a really supportive family to like give me, you know, 10 hours a week to train and I did it. And it was super cool. And like, I feel super confident in my body now, which I've had four knee surgeries. So there's kind of oh like a whole background to that of like not being confident in my body. That's another, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other one was writing a book. You know, I've, I've always kind of written for blogs and my mom was a writer. And so I've kind of always had that goal to write a book. And I just kind of always put it off. Like I didn't know what I was going to write about. And then... The idea kind of hit me in March last year of what mm -hmm. to write about. And I was done by like June. You know, I just crushed through it. And then I did some interviews later on to kind of add supplemental facts. But those were two huge goals for me that were way out of my comfort zone to do that long form of writing and then do that kind of physical endurance race. But I've grown a ton from it and learned a lot. And I'm, I'm going to always continue to look for new risks like that you know, outside of work. And I think that really helps you get comfortable with being uncomfortable and makes it push it off maybe a little easier. That's Wait, this is with kids, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was up at 5 a.m. almost every morning swimming and biking. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. For whoever's listening to this, it gives you kind of perspective. If you, if you ask, if I'm pretty sure if you asked yourself, Joe, 20 years ago, if you could do all those things where you're at right now, you'd probably say there's no freaking way. Right. But if there's a there's a will, there's a way. And I, I really believe that. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is a thing. And whoever says it doesn't exist. I'm sorry. They're, they're either there's like Superman or something. Even even Superman, I think, felt once in a while. I'm pretty sure there's a there's an episode or two where Superman was like, I don't feel I can do this, you know, for character build. But uh, I, I really think that imposter syndrome and you, you shouldn't be afraid of it. Just just work through it. Uh, life is a roller coaster. And it's just part of being being a leader. It can, it can help to your point. Like it can help to one of the first things I did when I left Adobe is one of the nice things about being a big company again is like people leave that big company to go do bigger things. So like yeah. I reached out to a, a bunch of folks that I'd taken to lunch when I was at Adobe, they probably didn't remember me, but like I reached out to them on LinkedIn. I was like, Hey, I'm going to be CMO of this startup your CMO at a much larger company. Can I ask you some questions? Like, can I get 20 minutes with you? And, you know, that was, that was some of the questions I asked them was just like, how do you kind of manage it? Like along with really tactical stuff about demand mm -hmm. gen and whatever, but mm -hmm. it can help to kind of hear other people say like, yeah, it sucks at times, you know, it's really hard, but here's some things that I've done to work through it. And, you know, just hearing other people, which is great why you're doing this on the podcast is like, yeah, everybody, we're all human. Like we all feel inadequate at times and it's important to just see other people experiencing that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to help that person. That's a little afraid to ask those questions and I'm asking them right now and maybe make it a little bit easier for, for their path and, and hopefully get some courage to understand that as much as 
I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing right now with this podcast through a line. And I really, really hope that these leaders will, will take some of this advice and get out of their comfort zone because that is the difference between somebody who succeeds and is able to jump ahead uh, and one that, that doesn't. You, you're, you're not, you're not going to get success barely lands in your lap, if ever. You have to be incredibly, incredibly lucky for success to just land in your lap. And if you want to keep that success, you have to, you have to have done something to reach that success. Cause you know, if, if, if we look at uh, anybody who's on the lottery, the, the suicide rates are bananas and uh, the, almost all of them have lost all their money. And there's a reason for that because they never, they, they didn't know what to do with it. Same thing with success. If you, if, if you haven't done anything to reach, to reach your successful position and it kind of just fell in your lap, you probably won't know what to do with it when you reach it. And then it just won't go anywhere. Totally. So yeah. So whoever's listening, I hope this is that, that extra, little nudge to get you out of your comfort zone because it'll be it'll be worth it definitely before at the sup is there anything else joe you want to say to anybody anything you want to call people out call them dicks or amazing people <laughs> go for it um no i mean i think you know one thing i didn't talk about is and i again i learned this from another another uh leader is is just having gratitude along the way i've sent a like thank you notes are really underrated I still send thank you notes to people. I've gotten thank you notes. Like, I think it's just important to put gratitude out there and, yeah. you know, don't forget where you kind of came from. I'm, I've been lucky. Yes. I've gotten, I've gotten a few and it's, it's really, really touching. It, it makes you connect with that person a little bit more. And it shows that appreciation. Uh, usually for my friends that have, uh, or colleagues that have a lot of money, I don't buy them anything. I write them a letter because I can't buy them anything that they couldn't buy themselves. Nobody writes letters anymore. Nobody writes thank you notes anymore. So yeah, I, I actually love that. That actionable, valuable piece that you just, just throw out there. Spitting spittin some, some good facts. And don't limit it to work. Like I've sent it to like my mechanic in the past. Like I think, I think it's just like stuff, people in my neighborhood. Like I think it's just putting gratitude out there in general. It's just really good. Amazing. Amazing. Joe, on that note, thank you very, very, very much. Appreciate it. So, so the book, you said the book, is it, when is it coming out? Uh, later where, this where year. They, where, where can they follow you to, to, to stay updated? Yeah. So follow me at, at Joe D Marty on Twitter or connect with me on LinkedIn. Probably just search Joe Martin Scorpion, Joe Martin Adobe. I'm sure you'll find me. And that's a good spot. I also have a website, jodymartin.com. I'm blogging regularly there. Uh, mostly about like work-life balance stuff right now, but also Perfect. I'll occasionally do some marketing stuff as well. But yeah, keep in touch and look for the book later this year and then manage sideways, you know, it would probably be next year type release. We're definitely looking out for that. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode of uh, everyone out there. We'll see you next episode of CC and Sour. Uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify, iMusic. All, all the five, the, the five top, whatever. <laughs> Everywhere podcast. Oh.